In this episode, we're gonna discuss seed saving and how you can set up your own seed bank to protect the future of your plants, your food and your health for your family. So I'll see you in the episode. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So this episode is all about seed saving and how you can set up your own seed bank. So what is a seed bank and what is seed saving? Well, it's, it is what it sounds like. So seed saving is saving the seeds from the plants that you've been growing and also saving the, the seeds from fruit that you might be purchasing. So right now in your home, in kitchen, you already have some seeds that you could save and they could be the start of a new garden. So every seed within the, the DNA of every seed is this code for abundance and that's in all nature. But seeds are particularly an important part of this reproduction of, of our food and most of the food that we, we eat today comes from some form of, of seed. And most seeds come from either fruits or from flowers. And then there's a few exceptions of tubers, so underground bulbs, but most of the things are gonna be from the flower or the fruit. And those will be, from the fruiting side, there'll be things like pumpkins and capsicums and squash, zucchinis, tomatoes, beans, snow peas, papaya, apple, oranges, and if you can think of any other fruits, avocados, all sorts of things. So these ones, we'll we'll be looking at how to save seeds from the fruiting variety. And then from the flower variety, that's all the things like leafy greens, all the herbs like coriander and basil, parsley, radishes, broccoli, flower, all flowers, all the cut flowers, carrots, leek, onion. So these ones will all be saved from keeping the flowers. So we're going to just go through a little bit of a, a list of how you could save seeds. And why is seed saving so important? Well, seeds are the genetic material that give us the food for, for the next generation. So when we lose seed species, like when a seed variety goes extinct or when an animal goes extinct, we can't bring that back anymore. We can't have uh, another plant that can, from that seed. So it's really important that we look after our seed varieties and then also save them and that's what seed savers are so there's seed saver networks you could google your your local seed saver network and as a gardener you have the opportunity to become a seed saver and create a seed library and a seed bank so this is such an important thing that there's a seed bank buried in the ice in Norway and it contains over a million different seed varieties from a whole range of depositors that are wanting to protect 
seeds for the future if there's catastrophic situations. So that's a um, thing that's in um, it's in Norway. It's you could look it up if you're ever interested. It's called the Global Seed Vault, and it was set up in 2004, but it was based on the Nordic government saving the Nordic seeds. Back in 1984, they started to recognise that if there's climate change happening and there's situations that could devastate a seed species and wipe it out, then they need to take measures to look after that. So although that it's happening in a very small locations on a global scale, this has been something that's been happening in the gardens and in the hunter-gatherers for a long time, saving the seeds. And then as we started to move into growing the seeds, then we've got this diversity that now is something that we can become part of saving that seed diversity. So it's a really important thing. It's like an additional thing, but it's also something that you could do right now with, without even having a garden. So if you're in a position where you don't yet have a garden, perhaps you're in the middle of moving, you can start saving your seeds now. So you could start with the fruit that you're buying from your fruit shop or your uh, wherever you get your fruit and vegetables, then a lot of that could be saved for later planting. So let's have a look at the fruit steps. So firstly, if we're going in the garden, in fact, it doesn't matter where this first step will, will be part of that, and it, that is select the right fruit. So if it's in the garden, you wanna select the healthiest looking specimen or healthiest looking fruit, the most vibrant, and because remembering that whichever one you're gonna select and you're gonna keep the seeds from that, that's gonna, or the properties, the DNA from that fruit are gonna be kept in that seed. So you want the healthiest one. And the more that you're keeping this going, the more adapted the plant becomes to your particular environment. So over years, seed saving is, like seeds are handed down through generations and there's family heirloom seeds that are very different to what we see in the shops in our standard variety there's thousands and thousands of varieties of foods but we only typically see 20 30 different things maybe 50 different things in the supermarket or the the fruit and veggie shops but if we trace back our our own heritage then we would start to see that seed saving has been in our generation in our blood lines for many many generations so especially in these times of change it's so important that more of us become seed savers because that is the key thing to regenerate the land, regenerate our food system and connect back in. So, so firstly, we want to select the right fruit. So choosing that most vibrant one. And then we're going to scoop it. And that, that could be in the fruit shop too, selecting the one that looks really vibrant. Then bringing that to the kitchen, scooping out the flesh and I like to use a spoon. So let's just look at, say, a pumpkin. So cutting the pumpkin, you can, the best part about this the, with the fruit is that you get to still eat the fruit, whereas with the flower ones, you have to sacrifice the, the plant to get to the, to the seed. 
So with the fruit, you could be cutting up your pumpkin for dinner and scooping out that seed, that middle, and you'll get the flesh and everything and putting that into a sieve. And then number three is separate the inner sieve with running water, the seed from the, the sticky material. So this could be the pumpkin, it could be a papaya, it could be tomato, cucumber. We're separating the flesh and the seeds. And then we're going to dry it in a sunny position. So when, once we've separated the actual flesh from the seed, drying it out, and they, they should dry in an afternoon. Then we'll seal or sort that into a container, into a dry, clean container, and then we'll label it. So that's a big part of seed saving is labeling correctly. So if you don't know the name of it, then maybe take a photo of the fruit before you cut it open and collect the seeds. And then you can find out the name and, and you could create your own name until you have, it's always good to have the botanical name as well as the common name. But the common name is different depending on which country you're in and which region you're in. So the botanical name should be only one botanical name across the whole world. And then once you've got that seed stored, it's dried, it's clean, dried and stored, then you wanna keep that in a cool, dark place. And then that, is, that becomes your seed bank. So those seeds then, they need to have a bit of dormancy, so they've a bit of hibernation time, so they've had their time to produce, to turn into fruit, and now generally in nature that seed will then hibernate and then re-sprout in the spring. So it's a good idea to leave them till, till your next spring, and then you can bring them back out and swap them, plant them, sow them, so the other thing about having a seed bank is it's also a seed library, meaning you can lend or give those seeds and swap them for other seeds. So you could give you know, a few of your really delicious Kent pumpkin seeds and swap them for yellow tomato seeds. And so there's seed saver networks, like I mentioned before, and that's a big part of what happens. So then the other thing that you wanna do routinely is sow those seeds and then keep saving the next generation, labeling the seed and the date. So you've got multi-generational seed savings, but every time that you plant that seed, it's getting a new download. It's getting updated information from the earth through the network of mycelium. And it's also getting accustomed to the latest patterns in, in the weather and that will be a uh, more highly evolved seed than the previous generation. So it's important to keep them going and also to test your seeds regularly, like test the germination regularly to make sure that they're still viable. If you keep it clean and dry, they can last years. If in the seed bank that I was talking about in Norway, they keep it at minus 18 and they can keep them for many, many years in that seed bank, decades. So then let's look at the flower side of things. So then if you've got things like lettuces, kale, these ones you can't do if you're buying it from the shop, whereas most of the seeds, the fruit that you're buying, you could collect that seed. But the, the leafy greens, the herbs, you can't keep the seed if you've just bought that at the shop. You can only do that if you can get access to it fresh from a garden. So 
find a friend's garden if you don't have your own garden. There could be a community garden or a local farmer and you want to ask if they can keep some seed for you. So with the, the flowering or the, the leafy greens and if you're collecting the flower seed, then the steps there are also to select the best variety that you want to keep. And you want to keep them a little bit separate to the rest of your crop. So if you've got some herbs and you've got this one, uh, once one goes to seed, it can send the rest to seed. But generally you would have been harvesting the leafy greens uh, prior to that. But then the one that you say, okay, I'm going to keep that one as, as my seed variety, you might put a little bit of uh, string loosely around it. So everyone knows this. don't harvest that one. And then you're going to let that keep growing and it's going to change shape, change form. So if it's a lettuce, it's going to start looking not like a lettuce. It's going to have this shoot come up, like a stem come straight up through the middle. It's going to start getting a flower head onto it. And generally that means it's, call it, it's bolting or it's going to seed. And if it's now no longer that good for eating, it'll get bitter. It can turn the other seed, the other plants that you've got to seed as well in the same variety. However, if you're looking to keep that that seed, then that's a really good thing. So let it flower. You want to let it go all the way to dry and brown. So it'll you're kind of sacrificing a few things in the garden to say, oh, I'm not going to eat that. I'm just going to let that go full round to its seed. Then we're going to cut off the the stem and we're going to hang that stem upside down so the flowers can dry out and depending on how big the seeds are and how it could take a couple of days it could take a couple of weeks for them to give up their seed out of their little seed pod then we'll do the same thing over the sieve we'll put that into a sieve and we're going to separate the seeds from the seed pods and that's called threshing which is a ancient method and, and it still happens today by hand so you thresh out those seeds and that could be just gentle tapping the bigger the the, the seed pod then the, the harder the tapping and we're threshing out those seeds and you and some of the the flower seeds are, are so tiny there so they could even fall through the sieve so have a plate underneath them and then you'll need to separate the trash or the seed pods the shell bits from your actual seeds your dried out seeds and then once you've done that, separated them, then again you'll sort and label them, put them into a, a container that won't get moisture, so into a Ziploc bag, into a glass jar is a great idea if you can get some small glass jars, um, little mini Ziploc bags, something that's, you can also do them in envelopes, um, paper, but they can absorb moisture, so if you do that, then you wanna have some moisture absorbers in the box where you keep these and again you can keep all your seeds together in in a shoe box or in a method where they are labeled and or on a shelf if they're in jars but you want to keep them in a dark cool space and do the same thing as you do for the fruiting seeds you want to uh, let them have a little dormancy period and then you could be sowing them you want to test them the germination regularly so you can you know if they're still viable and continually plant them out share them out swap them and you'll always have ongoing seeds and you'll also be 
participating in such an important aspect of seed saving. So that's seed saving in, in a short form version. It's such an important thing for the, our global food system, our species, species as, as, a, um, as a, a way of keeping our food stocks alive and, and well. Um, and keeping the diversity of the food, that's probably the biggest threat right now that we have is when we leave the food to organizations, the companies, then they need to, to mechanize it. So to mechanize our food system and to have this uh, food system where they can package it and send, send it on transport to shops, they need to keep that simple, which means they need to keep the diversity down so they have very standard food items, which is what we see in those shops. Whereas as a gardener or as a seed saver, you can start collecting and widening that diversity, which is the diversity is one of the main pillars of sustainable living. So we really want to encourage not just saving the, the normal seeds, but definitely save all your normal things, but start getting creative and start exploring some other sort of seeds and you can plant them out specifically just to grow more seeds so that you can keep some more of that stock and, and share them out with others and, and become a seed library. You can register on the Seed Savers Network, become a registered seed saver and learn more about this. It's such a incredible part of gardening. Again, more than gardening, it's, it's really um, taking it up to another level. So uh, some of those seeds that you can keep you'll be able to sprout and just eat them as sprouts and some you'll be able to eat as grains. So I hope that inspires you to save some seeds. So maybe from that next pumpkin soup, save some of the pumpkin seeds and plant them, plant them out, plant them in. If you don't have a garden right now, well then plant them on the sidewalk, plant them anywhere, just plant, plant those seeds, but start saving them, drying them, keeping them, so that you can be a seed saver, a seed sower, and be part of the important group of people that are looking after the diversity of our, of our plant world. So thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I will see you in the next one. Bye for now. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.